And now a word from our sponsor. When it comes to survey research, the true motivations of survey takers is often concealed by the deep, dark waters of online anonymity. An alarming volume of participants have been exposed to be fraudulent, inattentive, or bots. You've seen the recent groundbreaking cloud research webinar exposing the high volume of fraudsters in the survey industry. I hosted them on both of my podcasts because this work is important to secure the trust in the market research industry. Now, they're back with another presentation. Coming October 12th, Cloud Research will plunge the depths to quantify the presence of fraudsters and share new ways to stop them in their new presentation, A Deeper Dive Inside the Click Farm, What Lies Behind Your Data, Part 2. Don't miss this in-depth look at their latest findings, as well as free access to the Fraud Detection Tool, which can be used to quantify fraud in your own surveys. Visit surveyfraud.com to register now. Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney, CEO and Mama Bird here. And I have a friend of mine. I've known him for years. We've been colleagues. We are road buddies, the road warriors of the world of market research world. I have with me Wes Michael from Rare Patient Voice. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, great to be with you, Priscilla. Well, listen, we're all really at this point experts in our field. And I almost hate introducing people and saying, he is a market research industry veteran because then everybody's like, well, how old is he? Don't you hate but seasoned? Everybody's seasoned. seasoned. It's like, oh my God, we're going to be overly spicy. <laughs> hey, you know what? There's some good campaigns for that. So here's my overly spicy Wes Michael. He does have four decades of experience in market research. And we're going to talk about some kind of an interesting take. His company really serves such an interesting niche and a really needed service. But we're going to talk a little bit about his journey in entrepreneurship as well. So we'll hear about market research. We'll hear about what are challenges facing market research. But we're also going to get that working everyday entrepreneurship idea as well. But let me tell you a little bit about Wes Michael, if you don't know him or if you haven't bumped into him at a market research conference. But he launched Rare Patient Voice based on this novel approach of building market research panels that enables patients and families and family caregivers to share their voices with researchers and with companies. And you think about all of the different products and services that are being developed for people in some kind of a medical need. This is so important, such amazing work. So they work all over the world, US, Canada, UK, Spain, Italy, I mean, you name it. And they finish thousands of projects every year. So their team also is very seasoned, but they really are looking to have rare patient voices work, do more than just get the job done, but make a difference in the lives of patients and caregivers. And you're going to hear that come out from Wes. So let's just kind of kick it off with a little bit about your entrepreneur journey. Like what did it take to build what is now a thriving company? Well, you know, it took over 10 years before I finally got pushed into doing it. I had had the idea many years ago client said, can you build us a panel for hemophilia patients? And we went to the hemophilia conference and it worked. We signed all these people up and every year we'd go back. And it was the panel for that client. And then a few years later, I was back at that conference and someone came up to me from a different company and said, oh, you have this 
panel, can we access it? I'm like, well, no, it's proprietary. But I'm thinking, wait a minute, why not create a panel that's not proprietary? And I remember going home and telling my wife and for years saying someday, someday, but I had to be pushed. I was working for a company where all of a sudden they were a little short on funds and they asked that I work without getting paid. I'm like, well, I'm not getting paid. Maybe there's something else I'd rather do. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a long list of things I'd rather do than not get paid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I said, to be honest, I didn't know if it would just be hemophilia or what, but I thought I kept asking people and they kept saying there was a need. I didn't know how to do anything, but that was the key, right? That didn't stop me, right? I'm thinking, right. well, somebody knows how to do this stuff. Okay, well, I was just talking with Jamin Brazil, who you know, but he's an amazing yeah. strategist in the market research field. He reminded me yesterday that for entrepreneurs, there are only two emotions. The first one is pure euphoria, uh-huh. and the second one is sheer terror. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure since 2013, so you've got 10 years under your belt with this company, I'm sure that you go back and forth between those two. The good news more of the former than the latter. Or maybe it's one of those things, I guess I hear with... When you've given birth, you kind of forget all the pain. Maybe I forget about those terror moments after they've subsided. That's probably what it is. Otherwise, you never want to go forward again. <laughs> right, right. It is hard. But you've built a great team. But let me talk a little bit. Let's move transition a little bit into this idea of what are the challenges. This is cool. Yeah. You kind of set it up saying someone wanted a hemophilia panel. Yeah. That was proprietary. Oh, hey, can we do this so everybody else can access? Like, can you start owning this data to make it, you know, in that sense, I guess, leasable or be able to contact yeah, yeah. the people. And so building a company out of that. But what are some of those challenges? Because I know you and I have talked a little bit about fraud in market research. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that it trickles all the way down to this niche of a panel. So yeah, yeah, tell yeah. me about how you experience that. Cause I find that really hard to believe, but it's true. People oh, say, patients, Oh, I have pa- hemophilia. No, they don't. <laughs> I know when I tell patients, cause you've various things to make sure people are who they are. And when you tell patients it's because somebody might pretend that they go, I don't even want to have this disease. And somebody's mm-hmm. pretending to have it. It's really, they get irate. And I, I fully understand it. Yeah. Who would know? I mean, I was in market research many years and I was oblivious. I didn't, I was naive about this. And then we go to some of these conferences with various uh, sample companies and you hear up to 40, 50% of fraud on, on certain things where, you know, somebody can have a bot farm in another country and you can get Gmail addresses as easily as you want and you can do a survey. Now, fortunately, there's a lot of ways to prevent it. I mean, our biggest way is simply what we do. We go to the events. Those You don't go to the hemophilia conference for fun to do a survey. You're for real and you come in. Then they see that we're for real. Right. Oh, these are real people. I get an email. I'm going to respond to them. And then those folks have become our missionaries. They're in a support group. They're in a Facebook. They send it out. Now we have a whole program. It's called a referral program. We have like 4,000 folks. They could be advocacy groups. They could be individuals. But they find other people. We find those people. I call them golden because people don't give us bad people. They give us wonderful folks. But you have to use these tools. You know, there's wonderful things like Research Defender. They're in the panel that they look for things on the computer. I used to be the one going through line by line. And you say, well, does that medication match that disease? And the simplest way to figure it out is, guess what? Call the person. Mm. In a minute, you know if somebody's real. Oh, I go to Dr. Smith. and I'm like, Okay, okay. If not, <laughs> usually the number doesn't go through and we don't take any chances. It's because we tell them that we might call them. The other thing that we do that I think has worked out well, patients told us they wanted to be paid more by check than by gift card. Now, you and I would think, well, I love an Amazon gift card. But so many of these people, they might be on disability. People have given up careers to take care of their kids. They say, I can't pay my rent. I can't pay my copay with a gift card. So we say, okay, 
we'll give a check, but there's another great benefit of a check, right? You can get your 100 Gmails, but are you going to get 100 brick and mortar addresses for something to be mailed to? No. So it's a lot of different methods like that that keep it unfraudulent to make up a new run. And it's about quality over quantity. I mean, we're fortunate we're in a very space where a small number of people are very valuable to our clients. So we don't have to get lots and lots and worry about that. We can say, let's make sure what we have is real for as much as possible. And then always be vigilant, you know, knock on wood. You never know know, what somebody might be up to. Well, and different strategies for gaming the system change too. So it's good. You have to stay current, but Uh, let's talk a little bit about how important that is. So you mentioned rare patient voice. Of course, if someone's working on rare disease, there are going to be only so many people. It is honestly a needle in a haystack kind of a situation for your work every day when you come in. So I can understand how much work it is, but let's talk about that power. You just alluded to it. When a company can really speak with that right person who has either suffered with this disease, or maybe they have amazing ways that they've thrived. There's so many stories, I'm sure, both positive and negative, but tell me a little bit about that input that you've heard over these past 10 years of patients and family caregivers, and where have you seen that impact on the business side? Let's take a short break. Get ready for another amazing Insights Marketing Day with powerful, fun, engaging, and instructive speakers who are proven authorities in digital marketing and thought leadership. From social influencing to web, blogging to presenting with power, and learning to collaborate through it all, Insights Marketing Day covers a range of topics that need to be addressed for a successful, comprehensive, and interconnected marketing plan. We talk big picture with strategy and annual content calendars down to granular level micro actions so you leave informed and inspired. Each speaker will provide essential tips, actionable advice, and tools to improve your and your company's marketing. Join me, Priscilla McKinney, CEO and Mama Bird at Little Bird Marketing, and our keynote, Ann Hanley of Marketing Profs, followed by crowd favorites, Andy Crestedina, Johanna Walker, and Dino DeLich. There will be meaningful networking, a marketing practitioner's panel, and besides delicious breakfast and lunch, we always deliver afternoon gelato. That all happens before we wrap things up with an amazing happy hour, gorgeous swag, and serious prizes. This is the most fun you'll have building your personal brand, marketing prowess, social influence, and game-changing skills for the digital age. Don't miss Insights Marketing Day this year in Chicago, September 28th. Visit littlebirdmarketing.com slash insights hyphen marketing hyphen day. Well, certainly patients and their caregivers, typically parents of kids, and not, especially moms, it gets down to the mom more often than not. They're so excited that somebody cares to talk to them. As I say, the family's tired of hearing about it. They've heard it all. And they get an empathetic voice. You know how in our industry, the wonderful moderators we have, and people tell me, they say, I was in tears. It was a good thing. The cathartic. So it's so important. And I think for the industry, and these, certainly a lot of our clients will do online surveys with all the numbers and, and graphs and all, but you know how powerful it is when you're a marketing exec at a pharma firm to hear some actual people 
say it. It just, that's what sticks in your mind, not the graph with 38% on it of something. (laughs) So you need both of those, but it is so powerful to hear that. Actually, it's dangerously powerful. You know how people hear the first interview and the second one's a no-show and they 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 don't have anything to do but make decisions based on one interview. It's like, hold off. Let's listen to more than one, more right. than one responded. But it is amazing how powerful it is. And I think even more so in this field, in the healthcare field, because what's more important than life and death and the health of your kid? You worked in spices and cereals. Those are great too, but not quite life-altering. Yeah. So <laughs> what are clients coming to you? I can imagine like they're asking about packaging or presentation or marketing uh-huh. a particular product, but what else are they asking for? What kinds of studies are you doing? What can you disclose of what people are, yeah, it, it, are looking for? It's interesting. For? And I was just talking to our, some of our folks today. People are getting more and more creative on the client side. I think they're trying to set themselves apart from better. So rather than let's just do a 30 minute or an hour Zoom call, they'll have homework, they'll have this, they'll that. It makes our lives a lot more confusing because it's tough to ask people to do a lot of additional things and they're patient, they have real life. But we're seeing people do that. We just had a request the other day and we've seen this with the person's permission, they'll let them download an app onto their computer or phone so they can see what websites they're looking for, what ads they're looking for. So it's not just talking to them and getting their thoughts. Though I don't think, I think at base, there's nothing ever better than that. What are Mm -hmm. people thinking and feeling? But they're doing a lot of other interesting things. They're going to people's homes. It's ethnographies. Get their permission to show up. My wife always says, they're not coming here. We'd have to clean up. But most people are like, yeah, please. And then they can see what people's lives are like rather than have them in a, you know, it's a little different environment when you're just talking, talking one-on-one or you're behind the mirror, but you're actually in there and they're showing, here's where I put it and here's how I remember to take it. And here's how my medicine cabinet, whatever they're mm-hmm. showing. And they'll see the family has a kid with the disease, but there's brothers and sisters and they don't have it, but they have to be taken care of too. And they can't, so they learn what are the issues people have? Because so often it's about creating a service, not just a pill. It's holistic. How do we help these families? Because the clients, right? They need to get a leg up on their competition. They have to think more broadly than just, hey, we have a pill that'll help you with your disease. Well, pharma is the obvious one. Who else is your client? And it's funny too, because pharma is only indirectly. Our direct clients Mm -hmm. are other research firms, but device companies, you're working on wheelchairs or canes or implants and things like that. Academics, and we oftentimes we'll do that pro bono. People needed a survey for their PhD and they come up to us at conferences and they, I got it. I'm a help. Thanks so much. And then they get a job at a client and they're like, now you got to pay for it. But it's very, very exciting to see that. Ad agencies. I love this. So we'll get a call, as you can imagine, people doing a pitch for the consumer business and saying, we need five lupus patients by Friday. And we'll say, fine. And so they can look so smart. They've talked, they've learned a few things. I always think in the back of my mind, they're probably telling the client, we talked to a hundred lupus patients. Well, it was five. But that's good. We love our ad agency friends too. So it's really a lot of different things. And now it's not even market research. It's clinical trials. Why not ask folks if they want to participate in that? To us, it's a similar thing. We send an email to -hmm. them. So anything where the clients want to get directly to the patients, we're happy to help. You mentioned medical devices, and that is one industry that has just blown up in the past decade. So I imagine you've seen that scale up as well. But patients are really being empowered with take-home devices. So what's the range of what you're seeing with that? I would say even on top of that, okay, pharma, like even injectables and other things that are where people are really getting care in the home as opposed to always having to be in facility. But tell me a little bit about wearables and how you've seen that market change over the last 10 years. It even goes beyond that. We had a study done by a clothing manufacturer trying to make clothing 
accessible for folks with disabilities. And so this was the only study we ever did. We had to ask people their size and they were compensated by being sent the clothing and being able to keep it. <laughs> but because they wanted to make sure they're able to develop it. But yeah, it's a very interesting thing because it's a different line of a conversation than a medication and a side effects. It's very straightforward about, hey, what can you do? Or it could be an app on your phone. It could be so many of these things that help people. The world has progressed so far beyond just, is it an injection or isn't it a pill? So it's fun to be part of that. Now, we don't see any of the results of our studies. You know, our clients do. We know that it's completed and we compensate and the client knows it's been done. They don't know who the personal information of the person. So I wish I could say, here's what they're learning. It's like, I'm going to learn if a patient says, well, that was interesting. They asked me this, but I know a lot less than I should about what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) But you're providing that really valuable piece of making that connection. So tell me just one little thing more about like what you're seeing changing. So obviously when you're dealing with people who are walking through a journey with a disease, oftentimes that can come with immobility. So this is not somebody who can come to a focus group or to an actual offsite location. And so you're getting people ready for some kind of a virtual meeting or virtual, like you mentioned, a surf along, or maybe even walk me through your apartment. Tell me about your medicine cabinet, these kinds of like video journals almost. But what's that tech side like? Because you're asking people just kind of regular everyday families to come into their home. And how do you prep those people when you've recruited them to know that they're going to be ready for the technology side of it? Yeah, that's key because you don't want to be surprised people You have to do, so often we'll work with our clients because they'll know the tech that they're using and they'll help us and they'll deal directly with the clients a lot or the patients a lot of times because you want to have that comfort call. You want to get people, give them a little time to get used to things, help people out. And some of these firms out there are terrific that set up a lot of these calls. I've always learned people, they always have it set up and people have their technology working right. So it's great to use these firms that know what they're doing in that regard to get it set up and have people there and have them comfortable because you don't want them thinking about the technology. You want them to just forget about that and it have worked seamlessly. So it is great how that's progressed so much. But yeah, all these things, somebody was recently saying, oh, they were worried about elderly folks because they're not online. It's like, I know that can be an issue, but we've hardly seen any elderly that aren't. The worst, the closest has been sometimes I'm signing people up in an event and they'll say, my mom doesn't look at her email much. So put me down and I'll let her know. My 93-year-old father-in-law, he's checking his email every day. It can be on a phone or whatever. So it is amazing how it's hardly excluding anybody nowadays. Yeah. And I've experienced that too. Globally, I think even about a client I have in Tokyo and some people come to them and say, oh, you know, I know you're not going to be able to reach the elderly. Uh, No, that's actually who we can reach very easily. Right, right. And yeah, that stereotype stereotype, uh, is interesting. But at this point, how much are you recruiting for virtual experiences and how much are you recruiting for someone to come out in person? Do you know what that difference is? Yeah. I mean, even before COVID, so much was virtual because think about a rare disease. If you want to do people in person in Chicago, well, yeah, people would ask for it and we could do that. But so often, even those, they would say, okay, let's see if we can fill the day up. But if you only get three people, let's do the other ones from around the country and beam them in to to the client's going to be there. So even before COVID, the rarer the disease, the more it go. And we love it because then we can recruit across the whole country. Then with COVID, of course, everything was became virtual. And then afterwards, that's continued. So I would say originally it might have been 70% virtual. And now it's probably 90% because okay. of that. 
because people found out how well these tools work. And again, especially with patients. I remember somebody once scheduled rheumatoid arthritis patients to come into a facility that they had to walk up three flights of stairs. It's like, oh, oh come on, come let's on. think. Think people. <laughs> or we had work. Parkinson's patients and they were scheduled to be online. They had to hold their head still for a emotional tool to work. It's like, these are Parkinson's people. They can't do that. So right. it's nice when people take into account who we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So two things. I want to end with this and give you a chance to kind of tee this up. So who okay. is, as far as the pain customer, you mentioned, you work with agencies, work largely with other market researchers who basically don't have a handle on this niche market. Is that your most ideal client right there? Yeah. I mean, so many of firms will deal with any terrific and dealing with any disease area and the physicians and stuff. They used to say, how are we going to find patients? Let's go out. They don't have to do it themselves. They just just put it in the budget, come to us, and we already have them. So it's not a delay of finding them. It's like, here's what we have. Here's what we can get you. You'll be done in two weeks. So it's amazing. Even some of our clients are these other big, you might think of them as competitors. They have everything, but they don't have what we have. So they come to us for the patients. So yeah, I love it. I love that. Tell me a little bit as we end, just like about those people who are so important in your business, the people who either are caregiving or are a patient and they want their voice heard. So tell me a little bit about how they connect with you, because I know there are going to be people listening and saying, hey, my niece or my oh, sister-in-law yeah, yeah. deals with this and, and they want to be heard. Like you said, it's so refreshing for someone to care about what they're going through and to feel like they're getting to input on changes in the market that could serve them. So how would they connect with you and learn how to either become a part of a panel or how to become a part of that kind of like referral or advocacy program? Yeah, just remember their, our name, Rare Patient Voice, so rarepatientvoice.com. We put everything on our website. We're very transparent. Even for clients, we put our counts by disease, we put our pricing, but for patients and for caregivers, there's buttons all over there, how to sign up, and then about our referral program. And then any question anybody has, they can probably find the answer there, but we're happy. Send us an email, give us a call. I love it when people call with questions because, hey, that means they're real, right? (laughs) (laughs) But we're happy. Bullying anybody to join, it's up to people's own what they want to do. So we're happy to do that, happy to answer. But just go to rarepatientvoice.com. You can sign up. You can sign up as a patient or a caregiver. Some people are patients and caregivers. People have multiple conditions. I always feel bad about that, but I say the silver lining is eligible for more studies. So tell us everything you have whether it's rare or not rare for that matter. So I just um, love talking to someone in market research. And I know what you mentioned earlier is like, look, it's fine to pitch spices and food and bev and whatever, <laughs> but this feels more meaningful. Now I'm not knocking that everybody has right, their no. specialty, and, right. but I do love talking with you because you do feel at the end of the day, this is doing good in the world. And yeah. this is why I love talking to you. Wes. I love it. There's no losers here. There's a win-win. The patients love it and they get compensated. The clients love it because they get more. And because they can get more people, they do more research. And then we get paid. I can't complain about that either. So it's really a win, win, win. And even as I say, our so-called competitors are our clients. So we're all in this together. So I love it. I wake up every day thinking this is great. (laughs) Well, you've got to go check out rarepatientvoice.com. Wes, I will see you out in conferences soon. We will. But definitely go out and connect with Wes. The name is super simple. Wes, W-E-S, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Nothing complicated. Connect with him on LinkedIn. I know he's good for it. And any questions, he's got a great team of patient advocates on his side who can answer any questions. Or if you have a great support group or something you think would be interested in working with them, make sure that you just reach into your personal life for a 
minute yeah. and go get those people and make that really powerful connection. Wes, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thanks, Priscilla. It's been terrific. From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.